Last week, we started a series called The Clearing, okay? What are we talking about? Somebody remind me what we're talking about in this series. Yes. Walking into the woods and getting lost. Yes, that was the illustration. It's about worship is what we're actually, yeah. Yeah, we're talking about worship, and yes, the illustration of the clearing, worship, just like a clearing can help us regain our bearings, uh, worship helps us kind of regain our spiritual bearings. So let's recap last week a little bit. We talked about what worship is. That was the question was, what is worship? And we came to the conclusion that worship is our response, uh, spiritually, emotionally, mentally, physically, to the truth of who God is and what he's done for you. So who is God? God loves you. What did he do for you? Jesus died for you. Our response, the way we live our lives in light of that is worship. Like that's how we worship is the way we respond to what God did for us. And so that was what is worship. This week, we're going to talk about what happens after you worship. Now, how many of you guys watched the show Once Upon a Time? Woo! All the girls. Guys, you got to get on the train. It's good. Like, I'll admit, it's good, okay? It's a good show. It's really entertaining. Um, you know, Once Upon a Time is pretty awesome. Well, one of the things I noticed, like, last summer when I was binge-watching, trying to catch up before season four started, I was plowing through them all on Netflix, and, uh, like, the good guys, which is Prince Charming and Snow White and Emma, they're always in trouble, Right? They're always in some kind of terrible situation where the whole town is going to be destroyed or their lives are going to end. Like, they're always in this trouble. And this is a pretty common thing in TV and movies. Can you think of another, like, TV show where, or movie where the good guy is just always in trouble? You can't think of anybody else? Anybody? No, probably here nobody watched 24. 24 was totally like that. Jack Bauer was always in trouble. Doctor Who, you're such a nerd, Ashton. <laughs> Doctor Who, I guess. I don't, I've never watched Doctor Who. I've heard good things. But yeah, any kind of like action-adventure movie or show is like that, where the good guy is trouble, because that's, that's basic storytelling. You create a character, you make people get on their side, and then you put them in trouble. You've got your built-in conflict, okay? It's basic, basic storytelling uh, technique. And so when we put the bad guy in a, or the good guy in a rough space... That's the way, that's the way it works. And sometimes our life feels like, you know, sometimes it feels like, I said the last two weeks have been like that. Not like I've been in trouble, but I've just been busy. Like for two straight weeks, I felt like I was never at home. I'm still trying to catch up. What's today's Wednesday? I've still got last Friday's stuff on the DVR. Like I haven't been home enough to watch, watch my shows and catch up on my stuff. And you know, there are times when it just feels like that, when stuff is just coming at you and coming at you. And it's like, y'all, yeah, I don't know if y'all have ever seen like a, one of those old screensavers that looks like you're flying through space and they got the stars coming at you, right? Well, if you imagine those are rocks and you have to duck them, it gets really scary. And that's what life can be like sometimes where it's like, holy cow, everything's coming at me and I can't get out of this perpetual, this constant state of trouble or of being in peril. Well, we're going to talk about a situation like that in the Bible. We're going to be in Acts chapter 16. If you want to uh, turn there, you're welcome to. Or like I said, it is on you version. Um, or the scriptures will be on the screen as per you. So we're in Acts chapter, chapter 16. Now, to give you guys a little bit of, uh, of, of, of idea, um, hang on a second. Don't, don't, go, don't go there quite yet there, uh, Renee. When these guys had just got done um, 
They got a, they, they, they chased the, bleep, 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 hang on. They delivered a girl from demonic possession. So there's a girl who was possessed by a demon, and they delivered her. She's no longer possessed by a demon. Now that's a good day, right? Like, man, that's a good day when you perform a, a stinking miracle like that. Demon, no demon. Like, that's crazy. That's awesome. But they got put in jail for it because the chick's owner was making money off of the demon possession. And so, because she was like a freak show. So they made, so, so Paul and Silas free this girl from demonic possession. They throw Paul and Silas in jail. This stinks. This is a bad situation. Now, say what? Yeah, don't get ahead of me, but we're getting there. We're, you're, that's the right one, yeah. So we're in Acts 16.25. They're in jail, and this is what 16.25 says. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Now, these guys are in jail, and when we think of jail, like if you watch TV, you know, like jail is like not that bad. Like, okay, you got to, I mean, yeah, the cot's uncomfortable, and like you don't have much privacy, but... You know, whatever, it's three, three square meals a day, you get the workout room, you get the library, like, no, this is like a hole in the bottom of the, you know, in, in, the, in the ground, basically, sitting on the ground, no getting up, their legs and, and arms were probably shackled, they couldn't really do much of anything, they're just sitting in this nasty, muddy, gross, little bitty cell that was probably at, in the underground level, like it wasn't. Like, uh, it, was a, it was underground, basically. So this is gross. Like, this is a terrible, terrible stinking situation. But in the midst of that, they're like, we did something awesome. We got thrown in jail for it. That stinks. But despite that, Paul and Silas say, you know what? We're still going to worship because, like I talked about last week, they still knew who Jesus was. They still knew what he had done for him. And they were still living in light of that. And they were reacting and responding to what Jesus had done for them. So in their hardest times, they're still worshiping Jesus. Now, worshiping in the hard times does four things. And tonight we're going to talk about the four things that worshiping in the hard times does. First things first, worship takes your focus off of the problem. Okay, these guys are in a gross situation. Like, we really can't even imagine a jail cell like this. I mean, it's really something nasty. I've actually seen video and pictures from where they believe it was, and it's like, it's terrible. So they're in this awful situation, and our tendency is to focus on it. Like, well, this stinks. I'm stuck here in the shackles, and oh, there's a rat over there. I hope that rat doesn't come over here. And, you know, well, there's a dead guy over there, and he's starting to smell. But they're not focusing on their situation, which would have been very easy to do. Instead, they're focused on Jesus, right? They're like, you know what? In the midst of this worst time, I'm not going to think about that. I'm not going to think about all that terrible stuff. I'm going to cast that stuff away and look at Jesus. First Peter 5, 7 tells us to cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. And so... Worship takes our focus off of the problem, and it puts it on Jesus. That's the second thing, is that worship puts your focus on Jesus. Okay, Philippians 4.8 says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think, praiseworthy, think about such things. So we have this thing where it's like, okay, don't look at Jesus, or don't look at Jesus. Don't look at the stuff that's going on. Don't stare at your terrible situation. Look at Jesus. Focus on Jesus. That's what God wants us to do when he says, you know, it's easy to focus on the good things when life is good, when, like, you're chilling at home and you've got a really comfortable bed that you're asleep in. It's really easy to thank Jesus for that kind of stuff. Say what? 
You're watching, yeah, you got a good TV show or movie or whatever on. Like, it's super easy. But when we're in those hard times, that's when he says, you know what? Look at Jesus. Back when I was a kid, there was a song called Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus, which most of y'all have probably never heard. Um, it's an old Christian song. I don't even know if you call it a worship song, whatever. But, um, And that's what that song was saying. You know what? In the worst of times, look at what Jesus has done for you. Because even in our worst physical times, Jesus still died for us. God still loves you. We still get to go to heaven one day. You know, all this good stuff is still in place. Okay? And I'm going to give you all the spoiler for the end of the story. They get out of jail. Okay? That's kind of the spoiler alert here is that they get out of jail. But before they, see, they didn't know that was going to happen yet. When it says about midnight they were worshiping and praying, they didn't know, well, if we, it wasn't like a if-then statement. If we worship in jail, we'll get out. They didn't know that. For all they knew, they were going to die. Like, but they figured if they're going to die, they're going to die worshiping Jesus. And so they do eventually get out, but when they start worshiping, they couldn't see the light at the end of the tunnel yet. Right? They couldn't see it. You know, sometimes you get in that thing, like just this past week, like Friday, I think it was, I was texting uh, Jen, my girlfriend, and, you know, she's like, how's your day? And I just sent her a picture of a tunnel with a light at the end of it. Not because I don't like Easter, but because it was just so much work to get ready for this Sunday. And so, like, I just was waiting for 5 o'clock Sunday afternoon when I could sit in my recliner and sleep. You know, that's really what I, that, that was kind of my thing. And so, but these guys didn't know that. They didn't see the light yet. All they saw was a black tunnel, and still they chose to worship Jesus. Here's the fourth thing that worship does. Worship does not remove us from a bad situation. Instead, it brings Jesus into the situation. Okay, I think some of y'all need to hear that one more time, so I'm going to say it again. Worship doesn't get us out of a bad situation. It brings Jesus into a bad situation. See, when we're in a rough place, when you're struggling, when you got that test that you just didn't study for and you got nothing, and that's probably not a great example, but, you know, um, when we're in a bad way and there's stuff going on and there's physical issues, whatever it is, Sometimes we focus on us and we try and do it by ourselves. We're like, I got this, Jesus. Don't worry about it. But instead, worshiping is like, all right, Jesus, come help. I can't do it. Right? Like, and I, you know, I'm totally like that. Uh, you know, that's why Friday we had, we, when we did all the lights and stuff in the new youth room, I called Russell because I couldn't do it. It would have taken me two months to do all that stuff by myself, working eight days, working eight hours a day on nothing else. That would have been not doing youth, not leading worship on Sundays. It would have taken me forever. So I called for help. I said, Russell, I can't do this on my own. You and your crew come down and help me. And they totally did. I brought them into the situation. Right? And worship does that too. Instead of trying to get through this bad situation by ourselves, we bring Jesus into the situation, and all of a sudden, things work out a little better. John 16, 33, Jesus says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. Jesus said, listen, you're going to go through stuff, period. It wasn't a question. It wasn't a you might. You will have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome the world. So Jesus is saying, listen, when you're in a bad situation, let me into the situation because I've already overcome all this stuff. And you may not be able to see the light at the end of the tunnel, but I can see the whole tunnel and the rest of the track and the track you already came down. I got it all in my sight. So let me into the situation. That's what worship does. It brings Jesus into a bad situation. He didn't say, Jesus didn't say, in this world you will have trouble. Take heart. I'll get you out. He said, take heart. I've already overcome it. Now let's go back to our scripture. Acts 16, we're going to read verses 26 through 30. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. Imagine if the foundation of the building started to crack. That's what we're talking about, okay? Crazy, crazy earthquake. At once, all the prisoners' doors flew open and everybody's chains came loose. 
So all of a sudden, they're all in these dank, nasty little cells in the checkles and the things and the stocks or whatever. And all of a sudden, boom, it's all loose. Doors open. Freedom! You know, right? We got our Mel Gibson going on. And uh, everybody's chains came loose. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. Let's pause there for a second. You got to know that in this day and age, when you're in the Roman army or you're serving like this, when you don't do your job, they kill you. So, like, if all these prisoners had escaped, the, the prison guard is like, well, I'm dead. Forget it. You know, and he's just going to go ahead and end it because he knows they're going to kill him if all these people get loose. Yeah, he basically figured, I'll just die on my own sword in whatever terrible way they're going to kill me. So the, pri- the, 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 the jailer woke up. He drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We are all here, which is crazy to think about that they didn't just run away. The jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And this is probably the most important thing about true worship and about when we respond to God in the way that that is act, that is correct, and we respond. We respond. We really have an idea what God did for us. Is that worship draws people to Jesus? See, at the beginning of the story, verse twenty-five. If they're just sitting there quiet and just chilling and being miserable. The jailer and his whole family don't get saved because that's what ends up happening. The jailer gets saved. His family all meets Jesus. It's crazy. Like this whole revival in this family happens all because Paul and Silas were in jail and worshiped Jesus. In their hardest time, they worshiped Jesus. Now, Jesus himself said this is going to happen, John 12, 32. and And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He's like, when you lift me up, people will come to me. If you're going through a hard time and you're still worshiping Jesus, that draws some attention. Right? Like, like if you got a friend and you know they're going through a hard time, right? And they, you know, you know their parents are getting divorced or they're going through this really nasty sickness or whatever it is, and they still have a really good attitude all the time and they're not cranky and, and you know, and angry and all this stuff, you're like, dude, what's wrong with you? Right? And that's what it is. Like, when we continue to have our eyes focused on Jesus, even in hard times, people will go, okay, what, what's up with that? Why are you like that? When everything else says you should be in a bad mood, you know. I think about the, the Thompsons, of course. Miss Candy had surgery yesterday morning. The surgery went really well, which is awesome. Um, but, you know, when, when you go through a cancer situation like this, like they're, like they're fighting and they're going through right now, it would be super easy to just be super angry about everything. But the Thompsons aren't like that. You know the Thompsons, they just they keep their attitude, they keep their eyes focused on Jesus. And they're a great example of that right now. Of, of and, and I know, you know, I, I bet you uh, Angela was over there. I'm sure Angela witnessed to every doctor in the hospital this weekend because you all know Angela. She, she'll witness to everything that moves. She'll witness to the dog if it would listen. But, uh, you know, I'm just imagining the nurses going, why are you all so happy still? Like, you're in here about to have surgery for cancer, and yet everybody's in a good mood. I know they were talking trash because the Thompson boys ratted on me about my Snapchat story with Pastor Todd sleeping in his office a few weeks ago. And uh, I got a text from PT yesterday about, oh, so what the heck? I thought we didn't have cameras when we're taking naps and stuff. So I was like, dude, that's why I put on Snapchat. But anyways, um, you know, so I know they were having a good time, and I just imagine the nurses and doctors like, man, you guys have such a good 
attitude. And so, so then the question gets, comes to, to mind, what if everything we did pointed to Jesus? Okay, what if everything we said or did pointed to Jesus? 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. I love that scripture because it means when I drink sweet tea, it's all about Jesus. Right? Sweet tea is just the best. I don't know if y'all know this, but really good sweet tea is what they're going to serve in heaven at the marriage supper of the Lamb. It's going to be like bushes, syrupy sweet tea. That's the good stuff, okay? Like you can pour it over your pancakes if you run out of syrup. That's the kind of sweet tea we like. And you can drink tea to the glory of God. You can eat hamburgers and hot dogs to the glory of God. And yes, we're making light of that. But seriously, what if everything we did pointed at Jesus? Somebody to answer this question. Who's your favorite sports team? Somebody just shout one out. Who's your favorite sports team? Cowboys? Who, who else? Watch? Somebody has to watch some kind of a sport. 49ers, okay. Yankees, jeez. The Texas Rangers, okay. Mojo football. Mojo. That's actually a great example, though, because how do people know who your favorite team is? You wear a shirt, like Amanda's wearing a mojo, I mean soccer, not, not, she's wearing a mojo t-shirt, you know, yeah, uh, nobody else is wearing a sports t-shirt today, okay, um, right, you wear their apparel, you might talk about them, uh, you know, they, you know, it, it comes up in your Twitter feed, whatever it may be, people know because that's something that is obvious about you. I heard a story about this New York City pastor, and he wasn't like a regular, he was like a biker pastor. Right, he wore the leathers. He's got long hair and tattoos and all this stuff. I mean, dude doesn't look like what we think of pastor. You know, even I mean, our pastor is pretty casual, but he's still like a pastor. He still, you know, mostly looks like a pastor, um, except for his chucks. You know, but uh, which last year he came to first priority to do first priority one day, and one of the moms who was helping their serve lunch was like. So wait, you're the senior pastor? Like she thought he was a youth pastor because he was dressed so chill. He's like, yeah, I'm the senior pastor. It was really funny, but. So this guy's got long hair, tattoos, a leather vest, rides a Harley. I mean, this guy is a biker pastor. Well, 9-11 happens, right? You know, Twin Towers come down. New York City and America is all going crazy. And he said, I want to help. And so he starts to go towards ground zero. Um, But before he got very far away, he's on his bike, he's riding his Harley. He starts to go towards ground zero. But before he gets too far... He hears, like, the Holy Spirit talks to him, hey, go buy a collar. And when I first heard the story, I was thinking, like, just a collar. But I realized it was talking about, like, a clergy collar, like the little white thing. You see priests wear on TV, right? Like, like the priest and Methodist minister. So he's not a Catholic. He's not Methodist or whatever. But he, he didn't wear one normally. But he felt the Holy Spirit said, go buy a collar. So he went, got himself a black shirt with the collar on, and heads toward, towards ground zero. Well, he... Uh, as soon as he, you know, and this goes against his natural look and his whole aesthetic, but he went ahead and did it. He puts on the black shirt, the collar, goes to ground zero. The closer he got to ground zero, he had people just running up to him and asking him to pray for him. They didn't know him. They'd never spoken to him. He's on a Harley. He's got long hair and tattoos, but they saw that identifier, that collar that said, hey, this is a preacher. This is a man of God. This guy can pray, okay? And so they, people started just coming up to him and 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 sight unseen, just saying, hey, pray for me, pray for me. This whole thing is crazy. If he hadn't put that collar on, they would have just been like, dude, go away, right? He looked like a scary biker. But that collar identified him as 
a, as a pastor, as a Christian. So the question becomes, how is your identity as a Christian made public? Do people see the way you worship in every situation? When I was a kid, we used to wear Christian t-shirts, okay? When I, they were like really cheesy. And uh, I had one that looked like the Reebok logo, except it said Reborn. And uh, they, you had the Adidas. What did it say instead? You don't remember? You had one like that? I've seen, oh, I've seen like, instead of Call of Duty, I've seen Called to Duty, okay? I said duty. Um, you know, I've seen the, uh, what else did I have? I've seen like the, uh, the Gold's Gym one, except it's Lord's Gym, and it's Jesus doing a push-up with a cross on his back, and, huh? Okay, I don't know what to talk about. That's Okay. But, and, and if you go to Mardell's in Midland, they have a whole wall of these. And, like, most of them are, are kind of like that. Yeah, okay, yeah. The, that's right. I've seen you wear the Hunger Games. It's about hunger for God instead of, yeah. So, the, and, the, you know, those kind of things are fine. I'm not knocking those. If you wear those, go for it. That's, that's cool. I had one. Y'all don't remember back in the day, Budweiser had, a, had the thing with the three frogs. Okay, they had this, and instead of, but I had a shirt, it was three frogs, instead of Budweiser, it said God's Wiser. Like, we, and no, they're really cheesy. I know, it's okay. And so, so, but here's the thing, whether or not you wear those t-shirts, because I don't wear those t-shirts anymore, like, I, you know, but whether or not you wear them, there are certain things about you that identify what you follow, and your actions, your speech, the way you care for people, these things identify you as a follower of Jesus, or they make people go, well, that person definitely doesn't like, doesn't love Jesus. Paul and Silas knew that in their bad situation, Worship was their best recourse. They knew that even when this terrible thing was going on, worship was the best thing they could do. Like, we can't get out. We can't pick the lock. We might as well do some worship. And so many times people get into a rough situation and they just sit in it. Like, they just sit in the mud, you know? Like Eeyore, right? Oh, bother. You know, whatever Eeyore said. I can't remember. It's been a long time since I watched Winnie the Pooh. But that's Winnie the Pooh that says, oh, bother. Sorry. But, you know, Eeyore... You know, anybody know an Eeyore? Like, you can think of people right now who are like that, who they get in a bad situation, and they just sit in it, and they complain. Like, boy, I wish I wasn't in this mud pile. It's like, well, get up and get out of the mud pile, you know. But when we worship and we focus on Jesus, all of a sudden, things begin to, our, our, our perspective begins to clear up. It's been said that if you're going through hell, keep going. Right? Don't stop in the middle of it and be like, boy, this stinks. Well, yeah, keep moving, you know. When we focus on Jesus, he'll lead us out of those things. Jesus came so that we would be able to worship in a bad situation. See, if Jesus doesn't come, our only recourse is to sit in the mud and stay there. Like, yeah, if Jesus wasn't here and died for us and all that stuff, yeah, we wouldn't have anything better to do than to, uh, than to sit in the mud. But Jesus came so that we could worship in the bad situations, because he went through a lot worse than, than, than we did. Okay, Jesus, the crucifixion was a lot worse than anything you and I have gone through. Hebrews 4.15 says this, and, and, I'm, and I'm about to close. It says, for we do not have a high priest, that's Jesus, who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. See, Jesus went through Many of the same things we've been through. True, Jesus never had Twitter. He never had internet things to tempt him. But Jesus was tempted to put things in front of God. Jesus came and went through some of the same things that we are going through and have gone through, believe it or not. 
Jesus came, all right, listen up, because I'm about to finish, and this is a big point. Jesus came to take our worst and make it his worst so that we could have his best. Jesus came to take our worst and make it his worst so that we could have his best. 2 Corinthians 5.21, this is the last scripture I'm going to read. It says, God made, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So Jesus said here, all that sin you've got, all that crappy stuff you've got going on, I'll take it so that you can have my righteousness. And because of that, we can worship in the hard times. Because of that, we have the ability to worship through the tough stuff. God, I pray that in our hardest times, we would remember that, Lord. God, that you are great and you love us. And Lord, that when we struggle, God, still you would grab our attention. God, that our focus would be on you and not on the scenarios and situations that we struggle with. God, and that if through that, through our focus and our response on you, God, Lord, that it would draw people towards you, that people would wonder, why is that person so happy? I know what's going on in their life. I know the struggles they're having. Why in the world would they be in such a good mood? And God, you're the answer. And so I pray, Lord, that, God, that we would just focus on you. that you would have our full attention. God, we praise you and we love you tonight because you loved us first. We're so grateful for it, God. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.